welcome to Show Talk, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. On today's podcast, we will be going over Marvel's Runaways Season 1, Episode 1, The Reunion. In this hour-long episode, we are loaded with information. Not only do we get to learn about all of our key characters and players, but so much has happened, we are left on a cliffhanger. I'm so excited for Episode 2, I cannot even tell you. But of course, I'm gonna try, so let's break down what happened. In the first scene, we see this girl, Destiny, walking around in the streets at night, and it looks like she's a runaway. Um, She gets ambushed by a bunch of gangsters who are trying to assault her, and she's trying to run away, and she gets saved by these two women in white who taser the guys and ask her to get into the van the white van because they're not a cult do you, do you feel my air quotes here and all this time the guys who tried to kidnap her go and say we were trying to save you save you from what this white van so yeah all my warning signs were going off so i'm thinking here's destiny she gets put into a white van labeled the Church of Gaborum, suspiciously, and she's a runaway. So maybe the show is focused on her and her characterization. Now, let's keep in mind that no, I have not read any of the comics. Yes, you can go ahead and judge me now, but in my defense, I have watched videos that basically summarize uh, what happens in every new edition and I guess I can say that I know what's missing and what's been changed but from a reviewer's standpoint it seems that everything is pretty much up to par compared to like what changes have been made and what changes haven't been made people are satisfied so I'm happy with that going on through the next episodes so keeping in mind the little I was able to dig up after the episode, I'm thinking that Destiny's the main character. Here she is, a runaway, the show's called The Runaways, that's it. But although Destiny's character does take importance this episode, there's a whole group of people who are about to take center stage. And we're starting off with Alex. So Alex is one of the teenagers we get to know off first. He seems like, off the bat, one of those angsty, roll your eyes, slam your door at your parents kind of teens. But it turns out the reason why he's displaying such angst in the beginning of the episode is because today is the two-year anniversary of his best friend's death, Amy. And Amy, we find out, is the center of this group of friends who've really just disbanded after she died. In this group, we have Nico, her sister, who's taken this death super hard. We see both a mental and physical change from her. Not only she seems darker mentally, but also you can see it physically in her outfits and her actions. Gone is the sweet girl we've seen from pictures. Now she's full-on black outfits, black leggings, and eyeliner for days. You could see how much this death has affected her, and just with Alex, the rest of the group has been affected differently as well. We have Chase, who used to be the sweet guy, is now the 
popular jerk of a jock who's mean and bullying other students and even his old friends. There's Molly, and although we see her as such a nice and sweet girl, the youngest of the group, you can see she still holds on to things like Amy's seat in the group and wonders if there's even a reason for them to bring the group back together without her. There's her sister Gert, who sounds like she's taking antidepressants, and you can see physically that she shields herself in her mission to be the best feminist and the facade that she just puts on towards society and even the people that she once considered her friends. And then lastly, we also have Carolina, who, although she puts on a goody two-shoes attitude, you can see that she's really hiding a lot of the pain that comes with needing to be perfect for your parents and being a role model for the people that look up to her, the people that look up to her in the Church of Gaborum. Yep, do you remember that? What we talked about earlier this episode about Destiny, who got into a white van, a mysterious white van, a non-cult white van labeled Church of Gaborum? Yeah, she goes there. And there's a connection. Don't you worry about that. We'll get there too. But with everything, with all of that going on, Alex decides that we need to get the group back together. We need to have a reunion. And so he tries to get the group together on the night of his parents' pride meeting. Now, just like the kids, the parents are just as important. Alex's parents, although we don't know much about them yet, you can see that they exude an aurora that says, I've earned what I've got. You know a little bit backstory-wise that Alex's father grew up in the hood and he's now a realtor. His wife, Alex's mom, is a popular, very well successful lawyer and they've done well for themselves. So in the eyes of the beholder, these guys are pretty normal, pretty chill. Gert and Molly's parents, you know, give off a little hipster vibe, I mean a little overbearing, but they seem really nice. They seem like very likable parents that you would be comfortable having a sleepover with. You know what I mean? Um, Chase's dad, not so much. Victor, from what it looks like, is kind of abusive. He even goes on to say things like, if you were scared of me, you wouldn't have a C. Chase got one C, and I swear, that breakfast table got a dent from Victor's fist. And it'll be pretty interesting to see how the dynamic of that family unfolds with with the rest of the groups. Um, Lastly, we have Carolina's mom and dad, who, like I said, is very, they want a lot from Carolina. They expect a lot from Carolina. And I guess that could be kind of too much at this point. Their intentions seem good, but seeing as they're a public figure for this church, you can tell that like Alex's parents, they do exude a no-nonsense kind of personality. I mean, which could be either a good or a bad thing, depending on whose perspective we're looking at it from. 
that was a lot, but we've got everyone. We have Destiny, the group of kids, and the group of parents. All three main groups that we need to know for this first episode. Where in the first half we got to know the characters and a little bit of the backstory. From here on out, we're going to learn some of the juicy secrets that both sides are keeping from one another and each other. A lot of the new changes happen in the halls of the teenagers' high school. And let me just say now, I am so grateful that I am no longer in that stage of my life. Because how are you expected to develop into your mutant powers when you're still dealing with prissy cheerleaders, homework, and puberty? Did I slip in the mutant powers there? Because that is a development that we've made with Molly, who, where we think is having the time of the month cramps, actually turns out to be super strength. We don't know where these powers came from. We don't know if this is a genetic thing and she has just activated it with her age or just her rise in puberty, but all we can see are the effects are glowing yellow eyes and strength. She goes out to test this at home where she has enough power to move a falling car out of the way. You can see that there are some side effects with it though because as soon as she's exerted that power and she's exerted that strength, she is tired right away. You can see that she got dizzy, she lied down, and she basically passed out until she woke up hours later to what I believe was a dinosaur hiding in her basement. That's a good thing to look into in later episodes because I don't think we should be forgetting that there are prehistoric animals just chilling in the York's basement. So let's, we'll see. We'll see where those secrets hide. But Molly's not the only one with secrets because Carolina in her rebellious phase, goes out to a party against her parents' rich wishes. And she takes off her Gaborum bracelet and starts glowing. Now, you heard that right. I said glowing. I'm talking rainbow glow stick glowing. And at first I thought it was the drugs because she had taken a pill from a stranger while she entered the party. But... It turns out later on in the episode that she didn't take it. So maybe she too has mutant powers, just like Molly's, although different. But I can't tell with her whether hers is natural or manufactured because it is controlled or seems to be controlled uh, with the bracelet that she has on her wrist. Because like Molly, once she exerted that type of power, she passed out. But as soon as she put her bracelet back on, she was able to wake up again. Now, if there's one place not to pass out, it's at a high school party where people are drinking and doing drugs. Because if it wasn't for Chase, Carolina was this close to being assaulted that night. And I was shocked that the show was taking that type of turn. I mean, sure, we've seen some things in the beginning about them talking about political 
issues such as the whole it's my body not the locker room Gert's feminist take on fighting the patriarchy so we've had some political um, messages and important messages that have been displayed throughout the episode so far but a rape scene I was shocked and I'm so glad that Chase came to her rescue Speaking of Chase, did you guys peek that love triangle that's going on between Chase, Carolina, and Gert? Because Gert gets super defensive when Chase and Carolina are together. And you can tell that she's been crushing on this dude forever. I don't even know how I feel about that, though. Just because Chase has been showing such a negative attitude or at least personality so far in this episode that although Gert puts off a kind of arrogant higher than thou personality you know that it's just a defense to how she feels in the group and in society in general but who knows maybe they'll balance each other out and actually be right for each other if they do get together but I mean if Carolina doesn't want Chase too because Chase seems to be totally in love with Carolina. So I don't know how that would affect the group's friendship or dynamic as well. Because Gert is throwing some super shade and hatred towards Carolina just out of pure jealousy. And Nico and Alex look like they've had a past. At least a romantic past. And I wonder if they're going to act on it throughout the season. Kind of hope not, just because Nico's still going through a lot right now, and I feel like Alex still has a lot of secrets. Like, why he didn't go to Amy's funeral that started the rift between the group. You'd think we'd get that answer, or a reveal to the rest of the group that Molly and Carolina have found some new powers, or some new abilities that they haven't adjusted to yet when they all finally decide to meet up at Alex's house for this long-awaited reunion at the end of the night. But no, we learn a lot more secrets on the parent side of the spectrum because this whole pride meeting ain't no normal meeting. While the kids are looking for some alcohol to release some tension from the group actually being together after so long, it seems that they trip a passageway to an underground layer basically that the wilders have and alex is right this is some narnia mess because did these kids just find a passageway that they've never known existed but they find their parents donating red robes in an apparent sacrifice with destiny what what is happening? This isn't no fundraiser. This isn't building cupcakes. This is a full-on sacrifice. And you can tell for a fact that Destiny did not go into this willingly because it looks like she was fighting on her way out and then was drugged to be able to be put in. So what exactly is going on? What is pride? What are they doing and who are they doing it for? How long has this been going on? 
I could keep going with the questions because I honestly don't know. But of course, the episode ends with Molly being caught taking a picture of the group, the parents, in the middle of the sacrifice. But you can't tell for sure if they know because the kids go running and it doesn't seem like the parents know that it was them that was watching. But they know that there was a camera flash and they know it came from somewhere and the only other option really is the kids. Now, what are they going to do with that information if they find out it really was them? And they do know about what the parents are doing. What do you do next? I can't wait for episode two. And so far, I have five stars for episode one. And I'm so excited to be able to review and talk to you about episode two. What did you guys think of the episode so far? I loved it. But like I said, I do have some questions. Like, what's the group going to do now that they know that their parents are evil? kind I mean they have to be evil there's no other option for them not to be evil if you look at all the parents that were there Frank Carolina's dad wasn't so why wasn't he where was he that's another question I would like to know the Yorks apparently have a dinosaur how is it that Gert and Molly don't know that they have a dinosaur in their basement they go in to feed the animals that live downstairs every day, but no one has noticed a dinosaur? Come on, how do you keep a dinosaur quiet? I want to know. And also, I know I didn't mention this in the flashbacks or synopsis of this episode, but who was the mummy that Carolina's mom was holding hands with in the middle of the episode? Okay, because she has him under lock and key, and it looks like he's basically dead on a white bed sheet. But she's trying to bring them back to life. Like, does is he connected to what the pride is doing? And if so, what does that do for him? And who is he, really? Like, that's what I want to know. Because it looks like they do have a relationship. So my first thought was, maybe it's her father because she did mention her father during her speeches about the rise of the church and we know that the church is important in the pride's work because they're the ones kidnapping the children like destiny so many questions but i can't wait to go over it with you until next time keep the show talk going